So here we are for another week, everything EOS. We have uh, some pretty exciting news if you didn't already catch it on Twitter, which is that Brendan Bloomer has agreed, Brendan Bloomer, yeah. the CEO of Block One, who makes the EOSIO software, he's agreed to come on this podcast, come on everything EOS, answer questions from the community, talk about their upcoming uh, proposal that they're gonna release, which we're gonna talk about in here a little bit. But uh, a sincere thank you to everyone out there that, that tweeted him, that liked our post, inviting him to come on. Uh, we couldn't have done it without your support. So sincerely, thank you. Uh, we're both looking forward to the show and it, it should be a pretty good episode. So how crazy was that though, Rob? Like we, we yeah. recorded this show last Wednesday and we were basically talking directly to the camera like we were talking to Block One and basically saying like, we want to have this conversation because your your offer to Brendan to come on was getting so much attention online. And then before yeah. we even could get the video edited and uploaded, he agreed to it. So yeah. I had to like do some post-production to get like the most recent tweet up, but Awesome. Thank you, everyone who watches, listens, listens, follows us on Twitter. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a wild ride, and we can't wait to um, have this conversation with Brendan. Uh, we've been getting a lot of questions, though, Rob, about when's it going to happen. Do you want to answer yeah. that one for everyone? Yeah, so we've been talking with Brendan in a uh, Twitter DM, and if you're not familiar, Block One is actually going to, very soon, um, it could be next week, they said, but maybe the week after, um, they're going to release what's known as their EOSIO guidance for public EOSIO blockchains. Um, so basically what that will be will be different governance proposals, different you know recommendations for anybody that runs a public blockchain like the EOS mainnet for how to run the chain, how to govern it, all those good things. So once that proposal is out and released by block one, then we'll have Brendan on the show to discuss that, answer questions about it, um, you know, and really dive deep on what that proposal is and what it means for the future of the EOS mainnet. So it should be perfect timing to to get a good show out there. So right, right after he agreed to do the podcast is funny because that night in the, what is it, the EOS version two constitution channel on yeah. Telegram, Brendan just showed up. This channel is just mostly just, it was just like the hardcore EOS people. It was like maybe 119 people in the channel at the time. Yeah. And then Brendan comes in at like four o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern East Coast time. And he was there for about six hours answering all kinds of interesting questions and, and adding clarity to a lot of the, the fog and noise that we've been trying to sift through for the last couple of months. It was, it was a f uh, breath of fresh air, actually. And yeah. I believe uh, it, at one point, uh, Sid, who's pretty well known in the Telegram channels, if you, uh, you know, Telegram here, uh, but he, he was kind of like picking Brendan and he asked uh, like why it took so long to communicate. And Brendan confirmed that uh, they recently or they're working to expand their communication teams. And I, I can confirm that just from like the block one careers page that they have like a lot of developer relations positions, communications positions, uh, content writing positions. So they're working on yeah. improving their communication because I think we could all agree here that communication's been lacking for a long time now, uh, and, we, and we we need some clarity. Yeah, this is a decentralized yeah. system, but uh, the people uh, and, and there's a lot of independent open source code being written by block producers, independent DApps companies, but everyone's still looking to Block One for guidance on this. I mean, Dan Dan Larimer is the one who has built two successful uh, scalable blockchains in the past, so it only makes sense that we kind of want to hear what what they think about how things are going with like ECAF and governance and oh, uh, voting. So uh, that way it's not just an echo chamber of us talking to ourselves. It, it'll, it'll be nice to see when they release that statement on public blockchain governance. What are you expecting from it? Is, do you think it's going to be more than what we're used to? Because they've put out uh, public statements before and they're, they're just medium posts, pretty brief, maybe a page. Are you expecting something more than that, Rob? I am. Yeah, I'm expecting more of a more of an in-depth sort of governance proposal. And I could be wrong, you know, we're just speculating here, but I'm expecting something that's pretty detailed on, you know, here's the number of active block producers you should have. Here's the incentive structure for those block producers. Here's, um, you know, what the constitution might look like in your public blockchain. I, I'm expecting it to be relatively comprehensive um, to an extent, but I think mostly focused around governance because those were a lot of the, the, you know, issues that are rising today. A lot of the questions that people have are all around governance. So it only makes sense that that, you know, proposal that Block One is putting out would be about governance as well, since that's really the one piece that's sort of up to the community in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to get to talk to him, pick his brain a little bit at, at yeah. on the questions we could ask. But uh, in, in case uh, anyone from Block One's listening, we said this last week, but I, I Google mapped it so I know the exact distance. We are both roughly about five hour drive from Blacksburg, Virginia um, in the constitution v2 telegram channel uh brendan said he's in virginia right now 
probably uh, having meetings about this governance discussion. Yeah. So m- maybe maybe he'll still be there next week. We we can come on a moment's notice. I mean, I can. Could you? Oh yeah, anytime. <laughs> Brendan, you just let us know. Anybody at Block One, if you said, "Hey, you know, come up to the Blacksburg office now," we'll both get in our cars and leave immediately. So literally, literally, <laughs> would, if yeah, if if we got a uh, a Twitter message DM right now saying, "We can we do this on Monday or today tonight?" Yeah, we we'd, we'd uh, be I'd there in, in the car. Fi- yeah. I'd be there in five hours. Um, yeah, hundred percent. So l- let's get into the meat of the discussion now. Yeah. So Brendan is proposing one token, one vote. And that yeah. that's completely different than what we've had uh, since the mainnet launch. So you want to kind of explain that and give your opinion on it? Yeah. So in order to understand, you know, the proposed change here, first, we got to understand what the current system is. So right now, if you have, you know, one EOS token in your wallet, you can vote for up to 30 block producers. And that one vote will actually count for all 30. So it's effectively like you can vote that one token 30 times and that that power doesn't get diluted. Each block producer gets that full one vote. But what Brennan is, pro- is proposing and sort of discussing with the community, and of course, as a preface, the community, the token holders still have to approve any of this through referendum. So it's not like Block One or Brendan or Dan or anybody can sort of, you know, put the hammer down and, and make this happen. Um, but they, they definitely do have influence. But just want to put that out there. Still is open to the community. But what they're proposing is that rather than one token equaling 30 votes, one token would actually equal one vote, which means if I have one EOS token and I want to vote it towards one block producer, they get that one vote. But if I have one EOS token and I want to vote for two block producers, they each get half of an EOS worth of a vote. So the the whole point of this is basically to make the EOS mainnet more cartel proof, where um, right now, and and this seems to be sort of a cultural issue, and I apologize to to anybody that's Chinese out there if I'm misspeaking. Um, I don't mean to represent all of Chinese culture, but the understanding I've gotten from a few people I've talked to and from Brendan sort of discussing in the Telegram was that in China, with these systems, um, generally when you have, you know, incentive models and and a, a system where you have 30 votes, Every block producer, of course, is going to vote for themselves, right? They're going to take that one vote for themselves. But because those other 29 votes exist, the culture in China is very much, um, you know, one of maximalization. They want to maximize the amount that they're going to get out of the system. And it's not, you know, a moral problem. It's just, hey, we're going to maximize what we get out of this. So... In the current system, those 29 spots are generally traded away. Um, That results in collusion. They're maybe sold to other people. Those 29 spots from these BPs that hold a lot of tokens are relatively valuable. So if you immediately remove those 29 other slots that they effectively have for free and instead add a uh, self-debilitating cost to voting for other people and for trading votes with other people, you actually... Uh, dramatically limit the chance that a cartel would take over and collude and basically run the EOS network themselves. Um, so I personally think it's a good thing, and I'm excited to to see how it plays out and see if the EOS community votes it in. But overall, I think one token, one vote makes a whole lot more sense than one token, 30 votes that we have right now. So it's kind of uh, maybe confusing for people who haven't been following this, but you could yeah. still vote for, as far as I know, the max would still be 30, but you could use that one token. If you only had one token in your wallet, you could actually vote for multiple BPs. It's just that right. that vote power is getting diluted. So instead of every block producer getting one vote worth of vote uh, vote power, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, if I voted for 10 block producers, they'd all get 10% of a token vote for that one token. Exactly. So yeah, if you use it with something like, uh, you know, if you say, hey, you have 100 EOS and you vote for 20 block producers, they each get five EOS worth of weight because it's all, you know, divided evenly. So that's the biggest change here. So I was thinking about this. So not, not so much whether or not I think it's going to work or not, because I'm, I'm still undecided on that. I would like to uh, I would see what block one has to say one and then see uh, what people a lot smarter than me think of who maybe could model the data and try to get an idea of what to expect from this. But one of the... Uh, I don't know if it's a weakness. One of the things with, with the mainnet voting that I didn't like whenever it first launched that, that I wasn't expecting was you can't uh, direct different amount of votes from a single wallet to different block producers. So I'd be curious, let's say I had 100 tokens and I wanted to vote for, I don't want to name too many, uh, and I want to vote for, who should I name? <laughs> Cypher Glass and somebody, I don't know. All right, so, so let's say I have 100 tokens in, in my scatter wallet. And I want to vote for Cypherglass, uh, EOS Authority, um, EOS 42, Canada, New York. Who else should I name? Gray Mass, other cool ones. But yeah. let's say I just want to vote for two of those, Cypherglass and someone else. Um, and I have 100 tokens. The, the way this sounds with the one token, one vote and how it was on the mainnet is 
Rob and whoever the other block producer were would get the exact same amount of votes. So with this new one token, one vote system, I'd be curious to see if I could vote with my 100 tokens, but say I want 80% of that vote power to go to Cypherglass and 20% to go to Gray Mass or whoever else I want to support. Because I think that would encourage people to vote for more than one block producer. Because if if you're like either self-voting or you just only really care about a couple block producers, but you're considering maybe adding an additional one into the rotation, maybe you could just give them a little bit of a sliver of your vote power rather than ha- having to create a new wallet, transfer tokens to that wallet and vote separately. Because that's right. kind of the workaround currently is you have to split up your tokens in a different wallet. So yeah, what are your thoughts on that? It's an interesting idea. I don't see, you know, why not? And I think if we're going to implement, uh, you know, a pretty big change like this to one token, one vote, with that referendum, that would be a good time to implement something like this as part of that proposal and say, hey, by the way, you know, if you don't want your vote to be split equally amongst all the BPs, you can determine which percentage. I think it's a, a great idea and adds just more flexibility and control over the governance process. And I totally agree with you. I think it would help people vote for more BPs without feeling like they're really impacting, yeah. you know, the main one they want to vote for, the main few ones they want to vote for. Um, so I think it's great. Yeah. And I, I mean, being able to do it from one account just removes a lot of friction because let's yeah. use that same example. If I have a hundred tokens in my wallet, I can transfer 20 of those tokens to a second wallet and vote for whoever that other BP was with my one token, one yeah, vote. But that's and like, oh, it's, yeah, exactly. Just, it's, then you got to keep track of all the different keys and it just, that's not the way it, that it should it, be done. For exactly. Sure. So that's something I'm hoping we can implement this. It sounded like it was the first time you've heard of that. I just kind of thought about it. I don't know, within the last day or two. And yeah, it, it's something I've wanted on the mainnet, even with the uh, voting for 30 BPs. Um, but, it, but as far as the impact in the cartel proofing of one token, one vote, um, would you agree that it'll probably solidify the top, maybe let's say five or six spots with like the big exchanges and the large, large, large token holders? But then it sounds like all of the later spots, let's say like 12 to 21, those ones should see a regular rotation of independent block producers because I think the votes will get rotated better. How do you think think it's going to happen? I think it's, first of all, I should, you know, put a disclaimer that this is very hard to model. It's hard to model this out and figure out exactly what's going to happen. There's so much game theory involved. And when you make a change like this, um, people are not always going to act the same way just because you implemented a change. And I think the the biggest thing that people may not do the same after this change is, is the big exchanges, the big proxies may actually vote for less people. So right now, for example, you know, Bitfinex is voting for, I think, the, the full 30 BPs that they can vote for through all of their different proxies, which total, I think, close to 40 million EOS. But of course, Bitfinex is one of the people that they vote for through all of those Mm -hmm. proxies as well. So the big question that I have is, assuming this change goes through and it is one token, one vote, will Bitfinex continue to vote for all of these other people and still only take one thirtieth of their pie? Or will they unvote a bunch of people and only vote for themselves? And I think that'll be really interesting to see, you know, with the proxies, with the big exchanges, with all of these huge holders, you know, are they looking to support the overall network or are they just in it to vote for themselves? And I think either way is okay. You know, they have the right to vote for whomever they want. Um, but it will be very, very interesting to see if some of those big people, the big proxies, the big exchanges, are they going to vote for the same people or are they going to trim that down and just vote for themselves? I don't know, but uh, it'll be interesting to watch. The one token, one vote was the big discussion around Brendan's recent uh, communication storm, let's call it, in the yeah. Telegram. But... um. He didn't really talk about the voter rebates too much, has he? Or did I miss something? Because it sounded like he brought up the one token, one vote, and everyone forgot that he said, uh, made a comment about vote buying and voter rebates yeah, being good. I think it's it, it's cool. I think it's, you know, if you think about them all at Block One in the Blacksburg office right now, they're talking about this. I'm sure they're talking about other stuff as well, but this seems to be the main topic right now. It seems to me like they were, okay, let's focus on voter rebates. What's our stance there? And then talk with the community. Okay, we sort of got the community's feedback. They sort of know what they want to do. It'll probably just be Rex. Um, moving on to number two, it was like, okay, what do we want to do um, with you know one token, one vote, one token, 30 votes? Okay, here's the community's feedback. Here's our opinion. And we'll probably see Brendan jump in again, if I had to guess, on some other big issue that they'll include in their governance proposal. Um, you know, he mentioned, he tweeted out, he said, you know, we're all meeting this week. If you guys have something that you want included in this governance proposal, if you have feedback on it, tweet him and let him know. Um, because I think it is great. You know, ultimately it is the community's decision to make these changes, but even so, I think it's great that they're including community feedback in this proposal so that it's more likely to be accepted than, you know, just sort of pushed aside and dismissed. So 
let, let's skip uh, the order of the topics here a bit because I think it's important to bring up what's going on with referendum. So yeah. none of this stuff that Brendan talks about is going to be implemented on the main net unless it gets uh, voter support. But we don't know if it'll have voter support until we get the thing we've been talking about for months now, and that's referendum. So yeah. it sounds and like we're, we're, so all, close. we're like walking to the finish line right now. What is going on with that, Rob? So there is literally one more proposal that needs to be approved, just one. Um, this proposal was actually already approved once, but there was a minor bug in the code, so it didn't execute properly. So basically, it just has to be approved again by the PPs. Um, so right now at eusauthority.com slash approval, if you click on the deploy forum contract, you can see we only need two more VPs in the top 21 to vote to approve this for referendum to be possible. So if you look at this list, there are a couple people in here, um, looks like Bitfinex, Cochain, EOS Shenzhen, uh, Huobi, Meet One, Laomao, Jetta, Stardios, ZBEOS, all these different people that could vote right now and basically make referendum a reality. So in addition, another way you can help, Cypherglass has already voted to approve since we're number 25. So if we got bumped back into the top 21 before they had the votes, our vote would then count as well. Um, so voting for us or some of these other BPs that are not in the top 21 but have approved it would also help as well. Um, but this is literally the last proposal that needs to go into place to make referendum a reality. Then we can start proposing things like uh, one token, one vote and Rex and all of these other amazing things that are going to happen on chain. Um, so I'm super excited about it. I, I cannot wait to see what happens because of referendum and because we're decentralizing that governance out to the broader ES community. Uh, I just want to give props to EOS Canada. I know there's other yeah. block producers that have worked on referendum, but EOS Canada uh, has been working really hard on it. I stay in touch with Josh. He's their uh, governance and community guy. Uh, awesome work. There's so much thought and development that went into this and making it work. And then there's a bunch of front ends for the voting too. Uh, there, there's at least three or four that I know know of where it's going to be like the user interface for a token holder to come in and, and see a list of all the referendum proposals and then vote on them. Uh, those are live now, but they're not, they don't really do anything. I think they're either on a test net or just a, the front end and not even connected to a blockchain. Yeah. But a lot of work's gone into this. So we've been talking, like I said, we've been talking about this referendum for months now. And EOS New York put out a blog post a while ago uh, about how to um, how he didn't think block producers should be able to touch network funds. So in EOS New York's blog post, it was, it was speaking about Rex because I don't I've never met a single community member who was against Rex. So yeah. what Rex is going to do is it's going to take in system fees from three different sources. One is from the rental and leasing market, which is basically what the Rex is and does. And then the other two uh, sources of revenue are going to be come, come from the name auctions, which every day, I believe there, there's a different account. Uh, how would you call it? A suffix, Rob? Yeah, a, a suffix. You can bid on shorter account names like .m or .e or .xyz, whatever you wanted. Um, and you know, one can be sold a day, but generally it's about one a week gets sold because it's a bidding process. So whatever the top bid is for that name, let's say it's 10,000 EOS, some of them go to hundreds of thousands of EOS for these names. Um, but if somebody outbids them within that 24 hour period, the 24 hour clock resets. So it's very, very rare that one of these names actually gets registered. And when they do, they're registered for a lot of, uh, a lot of money. But uh, that's basically how it works. Those, those fees that people pay to register those names um, get put in a, a name fee account, I believe it is, which will then uh, hopefully in the future be redistributed to Rex holders. So that that's that's a source. I don't I don't know how I know it got a lot of uh, transaction volume and EOS in the wallet early on when all of the original names like the dot coms and the dot EOSs yeah. were being sold, but it, it doesn't seem like now it's pulling in as much revenue. But that's fine. It, it's still well, passive. Am I, I wrong? So what's what's interesting about it, it is if you don't create your name afterwards, um, like you can just bid the name, win it. But if you don't create the account, there's really no record of it anywhere, at least not <laughs> on the, the traditional name explorer sites. So .jp, for example, for Japan, I assume, uh, just went recently for, I think, 120,000 EOS, which puts wow. it at the, the second highest bidded name. The, the only one other than that was com.com, which went for 150,000 EOS that was bought by Stardios. Um, but pretty crazy. The, bid, the bidding wars are still happening. Obviously, some names are you know in more high demand than others, but there's definitely still a lot of demand, and I think the wow. total amount of fees from that uh, is now north of a million EOS. So it's a, a pretty huge source of funds. And then, of course, you know the third one would be RAM trading fees as well, which uh, is several million EOS as well. So there's a lot of EOS waiting to be distributed to EOS token holders once this is all live. 
Thank you for correcting me. I, I am not into buying name auctions. I, bear, I don't think I've yeah. ever even looked at it. So yeah, that, that's the sources for the rec. So all of that, the revenue, three revenue streams are going into a pot and it's going to get distributed amongst all of the token holders who have their rex token staked. But because um, to implement the rex in its, in its full form, which, which it's, it's ready to do, it's a it's, uh, release candidate, basically block one delivered the code, it it's, doesn't need anything more. But the issue is the block producers, and I, I believe the majority of at least the ones I stay in touch with, they don't believe that uh, block producers should be able to decide what to do with things like inflation or block rewards or moving right. funds from one wallet to another. So I, I believe EOS New York in, in their blog, they said, let's implement the RECs with just the rental and leasing fees because this would be a great opportunity to put up the auction fees and the RAM trading fees to a referendum. Because like I said earlier, I have never met a single person who was against the RECs and against getting free dividends. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, who would say no to a bunch of free EOS coming into their account just for holding EOS? I mean, it's, it seems like a no-brainer. So I can't imagine that there will be many people voting against it in referendum. But I mean, I agree with Kevin that anytime any funds are being moved, if there's anything beyond like, you know, creating this EO, EOS IO form account for referendum, for example, if there's anything beyond that that touches any funds especially, it really needs to go to a referendum to make sure that, um, you know, BP power stays in check, that block producers aren't doing anything that the community themselves would not approve. So... The reason I brought up Rex is one, because everyone's just been asking about it, wanting to hear more about it, know what the latest is. But the reason I brought up Rex is because if we're going to take this one token, one vote seriously, um, one, the, uh, we have an untested referendum. So we were planning to use Rex, uh, the, those two revenue sources, as the first referendum because we knew that if we needed to uh, get token holders active and get them out and vote if they weren't voting already to pass a referendum, this would be a great opportunity to do it because it's yeah. basically, do you want to make more money? Okay, then vote. <laughs> so right, exactly. with the one token, one vote though, it sounds like it would be stupid if we're going to consider that seriously and put it up to referendum that we should hold off on the recs. And I, I don't right. know if, if, if Brendan recommended that or if someone else recommended it. I yeah, read I it somewhere. It was, uh, so... Brendan recommended, I mean, they also recommended a staking time increase. There's a lot of stuff that will probably go in that proposal. And I would guess not all of it will be implemented on the mainnet, but I think, you know, chunks of it will. Um, but it was Brendan, I believe, who said, uh, I can't find the exact quote here, but basically saying, you know, we should vote on the one token, one vote thing first, and then work on all the other referendum issues. So it seems like the Rex thing would probably be number two, but it will be so interesting to see what happens. Assuming the one token, one vote actually gets approved on the network and goes into place. The, the block producer rankings are going to be sh shaken up for sure um, because proxies are probably going to change their votes to some extent. I'm sure exchanges will change their votes to some extent. Users will probably change their votes to some extent. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens and then who the new top 21 is after the fact. But uh, we'll see. It's really good to hear that the, the referendum is w like one vote away from a, block, a top 21 block producer from being implemented or from being approved to be implemented. The code just needs to get basically deployed at this point. Is that correct? Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And as is the case right now, um, pretty much everything we ever record and say, hey, this is about to happen. It usually happens before the episode <laughs> goes up. So if you're watching this right now, it may have already been approved and we may be celebrating that referendum is finally here. Um, but either way, you know, two more BP votes and, and we're there. So we're so, so close. Let's uh, let's just record a second take. Yeah, referendum just passed. The last vote just got voted. Yeah. Looks like referendum is here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Now, now we won't have to uh, do gra graphic overlays and screw over the people who only listen on iTunes. Oh, there you um, go. So the one token, one vote going to a referendum. Do you think it's going to pass? Because I, I think it's going to be easy to get like the general community support as far as like your average people and little maybe baby minnow whales, but like the really, really big whales, like the exchanges, like Bitfinex who, or who, and Huobi combined for probably close to 100 million tokens. The, the people who are sharing votes and sharing dividends with each other and doing all kinds of stuff that we speculate, don't know it's true, but we think it's happening. Yeah. Why would they be incentivized to vote this in? I don't know. You know, it's 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 interesting. I mean, the easiest answer, the honest answer is that I don't know. I don't know if this will actually pass or not. Um, however, I think everybody has something to gain within this, right? So if you look at the, the people that are sort of the cartel right now that are trading votes, that are doing all this stuff, 
I personally believe that they're here for the betterment of the ecosystem. They want to approve things that are going to make the, the chain better, going to make more adapt developers build on it, going to make more users use it, going to increase overall the value of the token price because everybody wins when that happens. But I think this proposal, assuming they, you know, understand what will happen with it, which I think they will. It seems like, you know, Brendan is very well connected in the East and is probably educating these people um, on this viewpoint. And I'm sure, you know, they said multi-language support is coming with communication. I'm sure they'll blast this out in Chinese and Korean as well. Um, but I think everybody has something to gain because we look at these past DPoS networks like Lisk and Rise and Arc and all these others that have failed because of cartels or because of direct vote buying, because of all these different things. And we're learning from that now. And I don't think even the people that are sort of benefiting from the current one token 30 vote system, I don't think they want to run a network um, that is cartelized naturally, even if that wasn't their intention. I think they want to run a network that naturally prevents them from having cartels, but still allows them to vote for themselves if that's how they choose. So I think we might be surprised and might actually see a lot of these big whales support this because they know it'll be a healthier network overall. They know a healthier network will eventually lead to a higher token price, and they're going to be the biggest beneficiaries of that higher token price with the amount of EOS that they're holding. So I think we might be surprised and really get this thing passed uh, sooner than people are thinking. But, you know, that there's what? only one way to find out, and that's to put it to a vote. I mean, I remember when uh, the mainnet launched, and we were waiting for our tokens to get unlocked because yeah. you, you guys were producing, was it even em empty blocks? How, how'd that work whenever we launched? Because we needed to get to 15% of total token holders to vote before you could transfer a token out of your own wallet after the yeah, chain so went we were, live. I don't even think it was us. I think it was the uh, ABP, the appointed block producer who was uh, producing blocks this whole time. Like one single instance was producing all the voting blocks. Um, or all the voting transactions. And as soon as that was done, it was like, boom, okay, it's online. Now the BPs get all the blocks. Um, but what so happened kind of there it is it seemed like the whales came in to make the save. Do you remember yeah. just one day, like millions of votes just came in and then like yeah. a week later, Bitfinex allowed people to vote with their proxy when, while oh, yeah. tokens on the exchange. So well, I, like, they're, they're not all bad people. Like yeah, they have I think good intentions. It's very, very easy, especially when you look at like the the sort of previous connotations of the word whale. When people say, "Oh, this whale's dumping on me," like he bought mm -hmm. a bunch of my shit shitcoin and now he's dumping on me. Oh no, like this this sucks. Um, obviously, there are some whales out there that are just trying to very quickly pump and dump or profit or whatever. But I think when it comes to protocols, especially protocols like EOS that are so groundbreaking, so transformative, when you have somebody that has invested that much money and has millions of EOS in this system, those are going to be some of the most committed people. And I think Huobi is a great example of this, right? We may in the West over here in the English speaking countries, culturally, we may misunderstand, um, you know, some of the things that they're doing. They sort of see it as maximizing the system and, and getting as much out of it as possible. Um, but at the same time, if you look at what they're doing by launching an EOS based exchange, you know, adding EOS as base pair on their exchange, which will do major things to allow EOS to eventually decouple from Bitcoin and decouple from these other assets. Um, the, my point here is that the big whales, the big players in this ecosystem and in most ecosystems are generally the ones that are the, uh, the, the most incentivized to make it work and are you know working on other businesses, running block producers, doing all kinds of stuff to make sure that their investment is secure and is in the long-term profitable. So whales aren't always bad. Of course, there are some out there, just like there are some bad small holders as well. They just don't have as much power. But I think it's important to remember, most whales are probably good in that they want the network to succeed just as much, if not more than you do to you know pay off their investment. And if they secretly didn't want it to succeed as far as what, how we see success, they definitely want the token price to go up. So they're going to do yeah. things that they think is going to lead to that result. And if exactly. they believe that one token, one result is going to increase the value of the token, but it's going to cost them some of their block rewards maybe because yep. if they're running secret uh, second block producers, they're not going to maybe get as many anymore if they're self-voting. Right. So they're going to miss out on some of that but they're going to gain in increased token value. Um, Absolutely. The other interesting dynamic with this, and it goes back to the Rex. The Rex has a requirement that you can't use it uh, to lease out your, your own bandwidth unless you're voting for at least 21 different block producers or yeah. a single proxy. So that's not going to work if we vote for the one token, one vote first. Uh, do you think that number is going to change, Rob? I personally think so, yeah. I think it, it makes a lot more sense when it's one token, one vote system to maybe even just require that you vote for one BP, honestly, to use Rex. Um, 
I think when you start to require people to vote for a, a few or five or 10 or 15 or 20, not only are you going to have uh, more uninformed decisions where people are just kind of clicking one through 21 and hitting vote just mm -hmm. so they can use the thing because they don't really care. Um, but I also think it will kind of, um, you know, hurt the smaller holders in a way because it, rather than getting 100% of their vote power to the BPs they really care about, now maybe they have to vote for a bunch of BPs that they don't really know about um, just to use this system. So I'm hoping that that number will get reduced. Of course, that's another thing for the community to decide um, what they want it at. But I think reducing it all the way down to maybe even one would be good for Rex, just so that it it's really just a requirement to vote in some way, rather than saying, hey, we want you to vote, but you have to vote in this specific parameter for this many BPs on this date or whatever. Just make it simple, like, hey, in order to use Rex, in order to benefit from it and collect the fees, you have to be an active voter. Whether you're an active voter for one BP or 20 BPs or 30 BPs doesn't matter. As long as you're an active voter, you can participate. And I think that's you know probably the right way to go here. I disagree. So I, okay. I think... I, I don't think 21 is going to work. I think 21 is still extremely high for the average person and no 21 reputable block producers to vote for. And 30 oh, yeah. was definitely way too high. Yeah. But but I, I think it should be somewhere in maybe the 5 to 12 range. And I, I know that's a pretty big range. Mm -hmm. But what that forces these whales to do, whether they're good intentioned or not, let's say they are running multiple block producers or just have like backdoor deals. They don't actually own them, but they're getting kickbacks in some way for vote sharing. Now that we switch to one token, one vote, if we switch to it, they'll have to make a choice. So they could either self-vote for themselves and use their, their one token to just vote for themselves. So the producers might have tens of millions of self-votes and they could stay in those and solidify those positions, but they're going to be excluded from Rex funds and earning uh, dividends from the network through the Rex unless they dilute their votes so I, I think that'll be interesting to see is would they rather, yeah. let's say, dilute their vote to one tenth by voting for a minimum of 10 block producers. So if they're voting for themselves with those votes, let's say they have three or four buddies who, who they self vote for. Now they're all getting way less vote power. But on the other hand, that person with all those tokens, they're getting these Rex dividends. So it's going to be a trade off because Rex, right. Rex as we know, it has these three sources of revenue. Uh, I'll look at it in a second here, but Brendan said they're working on more stuff that I don't know if it would go into the Rex, but it's going to be value earned through the network, similar to Rex. So oh, the more stuff like that we see, though, and especially if it goes into Rex and you have to be in the Rex to, to get any of this, like let's say we have a system-wide DEX and they implement a trading fee. And that trading fee, as small as it may be, what if that goes into the Rex? Wow, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? If they put in a B1 DEX that's like the default in their wallet and then all the fees go there, that would be and wild. I think to, to your point on my only concern with requiring people to vote for a minimum number of BPs is that the system can be gamed. Like if I was a whale and I wanted to go in and vote for myself, but then also vote for four other people, but I didn't want those votes to go to any other block producers to like sort of keep my competitive advantage, I could just run the reg produce command on four random accounts with no EOS in it and vote for those as my other four to get to my five. But to your point, that, that would also still vote. dilute their vote power. So maybe oh, yeah. that is a, a way to go. It, it's very interesting. Like, there's a hopefully a lot smarter people than me thinking about this. Uh, I'm sure. And, yeah, and there's a lot of people. Hopefully, block modeling one. it out. But like you said, it's really hard to model out because you can't look at the votes today because the incentives are going to change. So it's well, really that's hard. The, that's the thing that the government, the U.S. government, has a lot of problems with. They say like, "Oh, look, Amazon has a hundred thousand employees. If we could get another hundred dollars per month from all these employees that work forty or more hours a week, we could make a bunch of money." So they put a law into effect. But then Amazon isn't just going to keep those employees. They instead go, oh, we'll cut everybody back by an hour a week to 39, remove their benefits, make them part-time so they don't have to pay the fee. So my point there is anytime a change is made, people are not going to behave the exact same way. They're going to try to skirt around it or maybe mitigate it in some way. So the more the more that can be modeled, the better. But ultimately, at the end of the day, there's really no way to know until uh, it's pushed live. So it's going to be fascinating to see this all unfold. This conversation we've been having back and forth, if I had to describe it in a few words, checks and balances. Yes, it, absolutely. It's, it's trade-offs that, that are decisions that are going to have to be made because there's going to be trade-offs on, on how you're going to earn uh, revenue through the network. And I, yeah. I, found, I found Brendan's quote. So it's in the V2 channel. He said, Rex has functions beyond increasing voter turnout. We plan to drive value to voters in other ways than just renting computational resources. Wow. So one of the 
I got to say something that goes along with that. I, I don't have the exact verbatim quote in front of me, but Brendan basically said something to the effect of he will always prioritize the EOS token holder. Um, and I thought that was very cool. That's something that I think nobody from Block One has ever really said explicitly. Yeah. So it, that was good, I'm sure, for, for not just myself, but for many, many other people to read and go, okay, wow. You know, of course, the incentives are aligned. They have 10% of the tokens, but it's always nice to hear them say it and just kind of put that out there again. So I, I think... We've been talking about whales and self-voting and exchanges. I I recently watched some older videos of things that Dan said back in like the yeah. spring and the winter before, well, before the mainnet launch. And some of the things he was teasing back then, which were probably still already being developed back then, are kind of making more sense now. He actually predicted that a lot of these block producers were going to be the, the large entity, like big dApps and like the large entity. Let me just play the clip. Yeah. Bam. So when you envision EOS running, what kind of organizations and companies will be these block producers? When you discuss the future of EOS, is it huge data centers? Are you talking to universities or talking to corporations already who might be interested? Or do you just leave it openly to the community and we will just have to see who, who takes these positions? We're leaving it open to the community, uh, although we have had lots of people reach out to us and express interest in doing it, including major cryptocurrency exchanges, people running block explorers, people are running dApps. Um, you know, we've got uh, universities and the like that are, have expressed interest. Small countries might be interested. So anyone who's got a lot of trust uh, already, who's um, already has another reason for running a, a validated node, exchanges are already having to validate the, the full blocks if they want to run a full node. So there's no additional cost for them to be a block producer uh, if you're already running a full node. So what you'll probably end up seeing is those who provide the, the biggest applications on the platform will end up being the block producers. So the, the Steemits, the Augers, the, the Bancors of the protocol are going to be the, um, the block producers. Wow, he was pretty spot on with that. It's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, I think it makes sense. You know, he obviously was working with some of the, the these BPs, I'm sure, like Bifinex, who's an investor in Block One. Um, maybe they knew that they were going to run a BP and he kind of went along with that. But he, he definitely got that right. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of impressive to see, you know, even at, what was that, six months, a year before the, the mainnet launch when that was recorded? D did you hear the the one word that he said of people, types of uh, companies or people he was talking to? Universities. Imagine, oh, if a, yeah. imagine if a university decided to launch a node. I'm here in Pittsburgh, I'm at one of the top computer science and robotics schools in the world. What if they launched a BP? What if Virginia Tech launched a BP? And it wouldn't necessarily even need to be mainnet. If we're going to have this 1,000 chains like future, these system resources could be distributed over each chain with different BPs. Like there, There's a huge opportunity right. because constantly a block producer's campaigning on the value that they add back into the network. Imagine a university saying, these block producer block rewards are gonna fund our curriculum we're developing. We're gonna start an incubator out of our university. Yeah. So our grad school students, when they graduate, they're gonna continue working on these projects to make them profitable, to add value back into the network through some sort of dividend function, I don't know. But the possibility of that's insane to me. But as far as I know, uh, no one's like stepped up and made a public announcement from a university as far as I know. Is, is that true right. on your end too? Yeah, I believe that's true. I, I would expect, uh, well, at least in terms of BPs, there have not been any universities that came out and, and said they're going to be a BP yet, but I would not be surprised to see that. And I honestly think over the next few years, as EOS becomes more legitimate, as big, big companies are building on top of it, I think we're going to see some even bigger players join the BP race as well. You know, we could see a Facebook or a Twitter or, you know, some other huge company come out and say, hey, we're launching a block producer on EOS. Here's why. Uh, maybe it's on their own side chain. Maybe it's on the main net. Maybe it's on both. Um, but I think over time, definitely, we're going to see more and more established sort of they're not really incumbents in that the BPs in the existing space already exist, but maybe they're an incumbent in their field, like a, like a Facebook is an incumbent in the social media space. They may run a BP at some point. Um, and I, I kind of expect to see that at some point in the future. I would definitely prefer that they be universities, I think, over giant companies like Facebook. But uh, there's, there's no way for you know me to prevent that one way or another. So it'll be interesting to see who ends up running. Imagine, like, um, I don't remember the university. Was it MIT where they were investing some of their endowment fund into, like, Bitcoin? I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's, oh no, that was uh, that was Yale actually. A, Yale. a percentage of of some 
I think one of their endowment funds actually was diversified into to Bitcoin and other cryptos. So that was pretty cool to see. It's like the first Anthony Pompliano at Pomp on, uh, or at a Pompliano on Twitter. Anyway, you'll find him. <laughs> but he, he was tweeting about that saying like, oh, we got another one off zero. And he's really big about pushing giant institutions, giant funds, whoever it is mm. that has a bunch of money, pushing them to get off zero. I've been trying to get my mom off zero and, you know, take half a percent of whatever her retirement money is and put it into crypto just in case. Mm. Um, so I think more and more people will see get off zero uh, in the future and sort of follow Yale's lead. So I, I think we should try to wrap up the Bloomer stuff. Uh, we've been yeah. recording for almost 40 minutes now. I don't know if it'll be on yeah. the actual final product, but UBI and ECAF. Brendan yeah. made specific comments. So there's been a lot of debate about ECAF. We're not going to rehash that one. Most block producers are against it, but it is yep. in the uh, temporary constitution. But um, someone asked uh, Brendan in the channel about the WPS because that's something that's been dropped for a while now too. And he basically said worker proposals aren't going to come. And if they do come, they won't be base layer. And he said ECAF absolutely has to go. So yeah. I believe that's the first official statement from Block One yeah. uh, saying that. But anyway, right. uh, not so much about worker proposal. But the thing that got me absolutely excited is my cat just jumped up. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to leave that in there. My I, I have like this little cat door at the top of my and top of my steps at the door, and my cat like bullied through. I like I had I have to put a bunch of weights and stuff in front of it, so blocks that I duct taped it. And cat. See, I've anyway. given I gave up on that long ago. I let the cats roam. You see them come in and like whatever, like just let them be, you know. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> from cats to UBI, that's what I was about to say. UBI, <laughs> it's back, everybody. Uh, Brendan said, quote, if you're listening, UBI will become the number one customer acquisition strategy in the world and every new business should be looking into it. Yeah. Um, and he specified, but again, it's not a base layer. So I, I think this is like a Steam 2.0 type of thing because yeah. your identity is your social network. You don't need a government ID to prove you are who you say you are. Because the people well, around yeah. you in your network say you are who you say you are. It's, it's your whole history and reputation behind it. So that's really cool. Because what are your thoughts recently on URI and UBI? For a while, you were yeah, like, I think opposed. So I'm against like, I don't know. I'm partially against it in some ways, like the concept of giving people free money. However, as a customer acquisition strategy, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I also, after I've been thinking about it for a couple of days, I agree that it's not a base layer feature. If you think about EOS the self itself as a protocol, that should really be stripped down as much as possible. And anything experimental, um, like say a worker proposal system should really be abstracted out to the DAP layer or some other layer. And if you think about it, that makes sense for EOS token holders too, as well. Um, or instead of having to, you know, instead of having no choice on the inflation and just saying, oh, wow, 4%, I'm getting inflated every year for this experimental worker proposal system. You could do that, um, or, or I guess in this case, it would be UBI. You could do that at the DAP layer for a customer acquisition strategy where, you know, maybe Steam 2.0 has a little bit of extra inflation and they use that as a, a yearly UBI to pay the most active contributors on the website or something to that effect. Um, so I think it makes sense. I'm like warming up a little bit to the UBI idea. I still am not a huge fan of giving people stuff for free with no effort, but I think if it's aligned with you using a DAP kind of as a reward, or like, hey, sign up and you'll get UBI for a month or whatever, um, that I think makes a lot more sense because you have to add some kind of value to whatever network you're, you're taking a piece from. Goes back to the model we've talked about earlier. If you, wanna, if you want free money, vote for the Rex. Right. Uh, we, talked, we, we talked about Peter Thiel and how he got PayPal off the ground. They gave yeah. away 10, they, you got an email that said, hey, someone, you have $10 sitting in your account. All you have to do is come and sign up and you can take it. So obviously tons of stuff has happened. We've seen tons of action from Brendan in the Telegram. I'm sure that will probably continue um, as he gets some more free time. We'll hop in, maybe talk about the next issue. And of course, we cannot wait to see that proposal, hopefully next week of their guidance on public blockchains. And then of course, we'll have him on the Everything EOS podcast as well. But moving on, we have some pretty exciting stuff happening this week. Um, first, it looks like we got a couple of uh, announcements from EOS New York. You want to talk about that a little bit? The announcement they made over the weekend or on Monday was uh, a new wallet being being teased. So it says they tweeted the EOS blockchain boasts dApps with the best user experience, so it should have a hardware wallet to match. The Metro is your pass to the world of EOS. Stay tuned to grab your reservation. Uh if you're watching I'll, I'll just post the tweet, but it's the world's first EOS hardware wallet built for dApps. 
Now, that's basically all Kevin would tell me personally, too. Do you know anything more on that that you're able to talk about no, publicly? I don't. You know? So I've been I've been bugging Kevin. Like, please, Kevin, send me a photo. Like he said, they have a prototype and they did a production run or something. So I was like, send me a photo, please. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. At first, I was speculating. Um, maybe it's like an actual similar to a Metro card you get when you go on the subway that has NFC yeah. in it. And he said, no, there's no NFC. That's not how it's going to work. So I was like, okay, then well, then what is it? Like, is it going to be like a ledger with a screen that you plug into your device? Is it going to be something that integrates with your phone? <laughs> like, I have no idea, but uh, it, it sounds like it's actually a physical wallet. Like there's some physical component that you'll have to buy um, which is why they're they're going to production with it, why they have a prototype. But Kevin, please give us a photo, please. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we just we'll want let to you... see what it looks like. So that was the first announcement. The second announcement, I think, most likely ties into the wallet, but they built something called the Transit API, which Transit yes. Metro. And basically, it, it's an API that allows a dApp developer to interface with all of the independent wallets being built. Uh, you want to explain the issue with developers currently, Rob? Yeah. So we're going through this right now. We've been working on sort of a stealth dApp that, that we'll be launching at some point in January, maybe the next week or two. Um, and we've been running through the same issue where everybody has a slightly different way to integrate. You know, Scatter has one way to integrate, Meet One has another, EOS Links has another, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what EOS New York is trying to do is basically combine all of the wallet integrations into one simple transit API. So as a dApp developer, instead of having to spend, you know, 30 minutes with each wallet integration, setting it up and making sure my contract works with it, I can just boom, integrate the transit API once and it, it will work with all of these wallets. So we were gonna use this initially actually with our dApp, um, but it looks like full support for all of these wallets won't be out for another three weeks or so. Um, so once that's out, we'll definitely switch to transit. But right now we're still, you know, going the manual route. Um, but this is something that's definitely needed and will make not only uh, dApp developers' lives easier, but it will make users' lives a lot easier as well because more dApps should support more wallets. So regardless of which EOS wallet you're using, it should be super easy to log into a dApp uh, and start using it. So it, I'm excited. This is definitely, I'm more excited about the transit API than the wallet, to be honest with you. I, I think they go hand in hand, but I'm, I'm sure they have a uh, publicity like release schedule. So maybe by next yeah. week, we'll have some answers. Hopefully. Um, so as far as you know, I know you're not a developer, uh, but you, you work with them very frequently. Uh, yeah. Is implementing this API something that's that's fairly simple for someone who maybe, if let's say there's 10 wallets and they're only integrated with three, but they want to be integrated with all 10. If they wanted to switch over their code to this API, is it something that would be low overhead, you think? It should be relatively easy. It's it's basically the same amount of time. Right now, you're with those 10 wallets, you would spend you know roughly 30 minutes each, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, depending on the one, um, to integrate that API for each individual wallet. But instead, now you'll just be able to integrate one. So you know, before where you would have had to spend, say, five hours integrating 10, you can now spend 30, 30 minutes and implement all of them. Um, so it, it should be pretty cool and, and cut down on development time for everybody. And this, this is what I love to see happening in EOS that I really wanted to see when I was a part of the Ethereum community, where Ethereum, they kind of give you nothing. You know, it's just bare bones. You have to build everything yourself. You have to build the data storage yourself. You have to build the integration yourself. And on EOS, it's kind of going the other way of making it as easy as possible to build. You know, things like Privios, which the, the testnet actually just got stood up, um, uh, I believe, two days ago. So congrats nice. to the Privios people. We're super excited to be a part of that and have our nodes stood up as well. Um, but Privios, for example, super easy way for people to, to store data securely and privately on EOS. Now, Transit, boom, super easy way. Takes 30 minutes to install, maybe less to, to get your dApp integrated with all the wallets. And we're going to see more and more of this standardization that makes it so easy to build on EOS that more and more developers are, are inevitably going to move over. So I like what I'm seeing. I like the trend that's happening here. Let, let's keep it going. Let's keep this thing uh, uh, chugging along. Yeah, I, I think it's a great tool. Before we wrap up on it, I think the big value add will be um, as new wallets were to come out or if wallets were to change, the, the team developing the dApp doesn't have to worry about that stuff. A brand new yeah. wallet could come out and as long as this API kept up with them quickly, then you wouldn't have to change any of your code if you're building a dApp. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, moving on, it you know obviously we love talking about games. We're both big gamers here myself. I've sunk, you know, more days than I'd like to uh, admit into World of Warcraft. Could but I, we have so many games coming out on EOS. Could that I, I, think I interrupt just... you for a second? So last week on the episode, we talked about uh, Azorus and the, the Twitch streaming. So oh, I, I, yeah. I got this message on, on Twitter uh, from BitJoy, I think. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what they do off the top of my head. But he, okay. he, he said it, something would turn me into a live sh or a, a Twitch streamer. And I, I said, no one wants to see me get wrecked at video games by kids like half my age. What do you think? <laughs> so I, I finally, let me see if I got it near me. One second. 
Uh oh, here we go. What's he gonna unveil right here on Everything He Has, episode 43? What is it? Oh, the Switch! The Nintendo Switch, ladies and gentlemen. I, so Rob, you, you're a Smash, Super Smash Brother player, aren't you? Just came out oh, yeah. about a month ago. Oh, yeah. I, the new Smash my, is awesome. My, my first game I bought. If anyone nice. in the EOS community wants to play Smash, I think Rob would be down for having an eight-person oh, yeah. melee with anyone in the community at any time. And if I could figure out how to do it, maybe we could live stream. Yeah, we, absolutely. We definitely be beta fun. test some of the, these uh, tools coming out. So oh, if definitely. anyone is building that stuff, reach out. Bitroy, to your point, I think is also kind of building those integrations. That was the, the thing we talked about last week, more of like, uh, you know, the viewers sort of helping the streamer, like a bunch of people sending a bunch of tokens to power up a sword or unlock a new move or something like that. Whereas the Azra stuff we were looking at was more um, the, the, the viewers playing a game alongside the streamer and sort of being rewarded for paying attention and being engaged. So a little bit different concepts, but both kind of, you know, in the streaming world, which is pretty interesting. And obviously when it comes to, to any of these new integrations, whether it's the stuff like Azris or uh, BitJoy, you know, they're making it easy to use these applications. For example, if you already have a Twitch account with Azris, you can just use the game. You type in Twitch chat to launch it. You know, you get the survey, you answer the questions correctly, you win some tokens. Um, and I think that's going to be a pretty uh, important trend in onboarding more and more people. Um, obviously, we have Mythical Games coming out with Blankos uh, that should make that onboarding process pretty easy. But the biggest one that we've seen so far is ITAM Games, ITAM, oh, yeah. who's launching they, on the EOS mainnet with a pretty cool account structure. You want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, they were. Uh, someone was asking about them. I think Elam Hur was in our channel and he, he shared a tweet that they made that I don't think either of us were aware of until he posted it. But uh, ITAM Games, they tweeted, uh, we've talked about them before, we will release about 20 games, including Gangster 20. Arena 20. Oh 20, in including Gangster <laughs> Arena, which I don't know what Gangster Arena is, but 20 games all being built on EOS. So this is like a serious game studio. And then yeah. we, we, we've talked about mythical games, all those Activision guys, Blizzard guys, they're building on it. And yeah. going back to Blankos and mythical games and onboarding new users, I, I read an interview with uh, the, the CEO, John Linden, of Mythical Games, and he, he said the thing he's most excited about in blockchain-based gaming is that none of these games have the word crypto or blockchain in them. Yeah, absolutely. They, people, yeah. people don't even need to know. I mean, it's just a, a better system. Now you can own your item, you can sell your item, uh, depending on the game. So I don't think they need to know either. It's perfect. So it, since it was so long ago and we explained the account structure of uh, ITAM games at the time, basically they have different account levels. So if you just want to try a game out, like a freemium game, you don't even have to create an account. It's like a guest login. You could just play as a guest. You're not going to be able to save anything. You're not going to be able to earn any of the currencies in the game if there is one. But you could at least try it out. And if it's like, a let's say, a fighting game, an RPG game, you could at least see if you like the graphics or you like the feel of the game. Right. right. But there's this middle tier, which is your user who's willing to sign up. Just like if, if you're checking out on an uh, e-commerce store, you could check out as a guest. That's fine. But you can't go and look at your order history ever. So that kind of right. sucks if you want to go back and look at that. Uh, but then there, there's the middle tier, which you create an account, probably just like you'd create an Amazon account. But then the final tier would be owning your own keys, which, which is like their, their top tier level. And the reason I brought this up again uh, after not talk, really talking about it much for a few months is EOS Bet is actually, they, they put out a blog. So EOS Bet, they're one of the uh, top casinos with EOS Dice. What are the other big ones, Rob? I don't really get into those. Um, Dice, EOS Max, I own a little bit of both of those. I own more Dice than Max. Max I got because they're launching Monopoly soon and I just want some exposure to a blockchainopoly. I hope it's good. We'll see. Um, EOS Bet, of course, there are a bunch of them now. If you go to dapradar.com slash EOS-daps, um, you can check it out. Bet was one of the first ones I played because they had the links integration. So I, I actually have more experience with, with them than anyone else. And I've probably played maybe 20 to maybe 50 rolls. We'll see. I don't know what my history is. Anyway, <laughs> maybe I'd, have to, I'd have to check rolls. a block. Ex I'm not, no way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Q. Q probably already gambled away all those thousand years. Oh, no, I hope not. <laughs> um, but anyway... Going back to Dice, I just want to mention they're releasing Texas Hold'em in February. I'm super stoked for that. That's like the one gambling game I will play because it yeah. brings back like old memories from back when World Series of Poker was huge in Texas Hold'em in like the early 2000s. 
mid 2000s well, i used to play i used to play way back in the day this was many many years ago on a, an old bitcoin casino where you you still had to deposit your bitcoin into the system <laughs> and like wait a little while and then you could use it but i remember playing free games and like occasionally placing which is pretty fun so i'll, I'll hop in a uh, texas holding game with you as well we may have to schedule yeah. like an everything eos table or something and we can all hop in it and and play against each other i am so that brings up a good point peer to peer gaming is coming to fruition there's already a few of the yeah. online casinos that have peer versus peer games i haven't played any of them personally but i hear people raving about them in, in our channels um but that's something that for the longest time it was just dice like dice doesn't interest me i'm, I'm basically it's a game of chance to double my money and i'm probably right. gonna get wrecked and lose but i don't mind if i lose if i'm playing against other people and get to talk shit and stuff like that that's yeah. what gaming is it's the social Absolutely. interaction that that drives me in so I'm yeah. hoping for the Texas Hold'em. I, I will accept your challenge if you want to play. So circling back after me getting sidetracked a million times, back to US Bet. So they put out a blog article recently where they launched a new account system that enables users to deposit funds from any source and easily bet without the use of a wallet or scatter. So what do you think of that? Because how do you deposit funds if you don't have a wallet or scatter? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit confused on that. But they basically built. I don't the, know. They basically. They, <laughs> yeah. If you sorry, if you look at Dice, they do the same thing for blackjack. Just because of the way that uh, the transactions are settled, they require you to deposit just for the blackjack game, um, and then you're not, you know, using CPU or anything. But you you need scatter, obviously, in a wallet to get the funds in. So I don't know. I, that's sort of the missing piece here. So it continues, players never have to worry about their own resource costs like CPU, net, or RAM again, since they're all covered by us, the casino. Uh, best yet, this account system is still decentralized and non-custodial. You always maintain complete control of your funds. So basically, they piqued my interest. I want to know more. I, I, I can't really dig any deeper into that without knowing more of the details. But yeah. th that seems to be the direction that everyone's going right now is trying to remove all of the friction from onboarding new users because without that we're not going to ever see a mainstream adoption like we are the only people who are ever going to play these type of games because we're already in the crypto but how yeah. do you get someone like your mom or your aunt into the game you, they have to just be able to log in click a button and start playing and if they like it maybe they could dig a little deeper yeah well that's what i like about this it says we've built this system with the average non-techie gambler in mind players sign up with two clicks so if they can truly make it that easy and then also somehow get people's money into the system because obviously they need money to, to play the game and to bet. Um, the, the two clicks to sign up sounds amazing, but if they can figure out the, the you know funding of it all, then this could be huge in terms of mainstream adoption. Absolutely. I mean, maybe, I don't know how it would work because it could be manipulated, but maybe you could earn some bet tokens or something through some freemium model. Maybe you could play these free games and earn like very mm -hmm. tiny amounts of bet. I don't know. Maybe, we I will see. What, yeah. Uh, we, we covered all the games I mentioned in the notes. Is there any other games that you've heard of recently or played recently that you're excited about? Um, I'm just excited to, to see what ITAM is building. The, <laughs> to your point, that Gangster Arena or whatever it was called, it's some kind of PvP game. I looked at the trailer very, very briefly. It looked like 6v6 Arena, and you're like, the view is from above looking down on the players, and you like run around hitting people and killing them. It, it should be fun. So I'm just excited to see all the different games, to play them all. Can't wait to fill up my uh, iPhone home screen with all the different EOS games in uh, 2019. How's EOS Knights been treating you? Good, really good. I'm still uh, in the top 100 leaderboard, so I think I've like kind of secured my position. I was in the top 50 for a while, got knocked out a little bit, but now I'm in there and I think I'm, I'm, you know, improving over, I'm improving at a steady enough rate that I think I can stay in the top 100. Um, but it's been awesome. Dungeons are a ton of fun. You know, a lot of people who don't like EOS Knights didn't like it because it was passive gameplay, right? You kind of, you know, spec out your Knights, you craft them some more armor, all that's active. But when they're actually fighting, it's all passive. You just let them do it on their own. But with dungeons, it's all active. Like you have to choose which spells to to use, who you want to attack. It's a turn-based um, sort of dungeon raid style. So I think it's pretty cool. And I've been having a lot of fun with the dungeons, um, but they got more stuff coming as well. I, I forget the acronym for the genre you really like. M-M-O-R-G, is that what it is? But yeah, MMORPG, massive multiplayer okay. online role-playing yeah. game, like like a World of Warcraft. They're really MMOs in general are pretty much dead. Like not dead from the point that there's not people who want to play them. There are tons of people who want to play MMOs, but so many MMOs that exist today, like World of Warcraft, have really been gutted. Like the original development teams aren't there anymore. They're really going like 
with in-app transactions as the, the model trying to sell people as many digital goods as possible, which I don't have a problem with, but when they focus on that instead of focusing on real content in the game, it kind of sucks. So I think people, the MMO community in general, which is over 100 million people, um, all of these people are waiting for something that's a good MMO that focuses on the content, but also you know, limits the control of the developers in some way. And that is where I think a blockchain MMO could do really, really well. Um, Asteroid Rush is actually one that, that just popped in my head. Asteroid Rush is building a uh, an MMO on EOS. So that should be pretty exciting to see. And, you know, you can go out and mine asteroids in space. Not a lot of details out yet, but my point is when one of those MMOs comes out, that's not only a good MMO, but also gives more control back to the players so that they don't get screwed over again like they have in every other MMO <laughs> they've played, that is going to be the MMO that finally dethrones World of Warcraft as the most played. Exciting times, man. I, yeah. I, 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 maybe I'll get into my first one. I, I actually I got into yeah. Warcraft before World of Warcraft, so I used to play Warcraft 2. Oh, okay. The Warcraft. old RTS games. Yeah, I mean, it was an older game whenever I was playing it, too. I think it came out in, like, 95. I was probably playing it in, like, the early 2000s. And then I, I, played, right. I played Warcraft 3, but those are completely different than World of Warcraft. I've never even played World of Warcraft or anything like that. Yeah, same kind of lore. Like, you know, they start out orcs and humans. Um, but World of Warcraft is totally different in a every aspect of the game. Like, it's a third-person MMO versus an RTS, real-time strategy. Um, totally different. Gotcha. So yeah. we, we've, we've been talking for about an hour now. We went a little long on uh, the Bloomer stuff, but we, we did miss one piece of news in our notes, and that is the first EOS mainnet sidechain has been announced. So you want to talk about uh, what, what Meet1 had to say with their sidechain? Yeah, so Meet1 has come out. Um, they said they're launching a sidechain that will hopefully use the same block producers as the mainnet. So that's going to be interesting to see how that works. But what's interesting about this sidechain is it's a true sidechain in the sense that, you know, you don't have to make a new account to use the sidechain. You can use your same EOS mainnet account. You can use your same EOS tokens to get resources on the sidechain. So it's truly a way to make the EOS mainnet itself more scalable by just kind of, you know, adding on a little extension. So I'm excited to see what happens with it. Um, they say they have the, the .m suffix so that people can register .m for meet one, you know, uh, names and then go so use that ties into chain. the name auction stuff we talked about earlier. So yeah. they, that means they bought the .m in the name auction and that fee right. would have went to the Rex if the Rex was ready at the, I mean, it's still in the account. Exactly. Um, I, I that's actually interesting that they bought the dot M just for their own user accounts. Do you see that yeah. being a trend? Is DApps are just gonna have a dot something and then they're just gonna have their own like user accounts based on that? And that's the only way you yeah, can get I mean, it. And if you think if you think a lot of these DApps, for example, EOS Knights is integrating a Facebook login where you can log in with Facebook and they'll just give you a free EOS account to do that. Um, you know, Dice is an example of a DAP that just recently came out. And if I didn't disclose it earlier, I have to disclose I, I own Dice tokens. Um, but they're coming out with dot .dice. So you'll be able to go onto the Dice website or, or somewhere else um, and register a dot .dice name. So if you wanted Zach.dice or I wanted Rob.dice, I can do that. And I think it makes sense, you know, if Dice is then giving out free accounts, it only makes sense for them to get some brand recognition out of it and, and give away free dot .dice accounts so that people know, oh, you know, Dice gave you that account. I, I forgot about one of the games I'm excited for, and I must disclose that I did buy the tokens. Pixios, man. Oh, um, yeah. So How I will give you the advice. Since I own the tokens, I want to disclose this. Don't buy the token because it's terrible. It's going to go to zero. So that, that should cover me legally. But I did buy into the presale. So I, I, I couldn't ignore it any longer. Everyone I talked yeah. to on Telegram had those damn pixelated, like, 8-bit, like, Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a images. movement, man. It, yeah. what, it's a movement, man. 100%. And if you if you think like there's so many artists around the world that are in Pixios and it's just growing by the day. Go go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you, you probably know more about it than me, but it, it, the auction house sounds really cool. The NF, NF, uh, non-fungible tokens sound cool. Like it, it's not just one thing. It's not just like a Pixel Masters because I never, I never got into the Pixel Masters. One, because I didn't really pay attention to it till midway through and I didn't want to get wrecked. But the other the other thing is just it was just one thing. It was very niche. It was cool at the time, but then like the canvas ended and it, it kind of just died. Whereas with, with this, every time the canvas ends, it starts a new one. But there, there's so much other other cool stuff. Um, yeah, it's I mean, so much. It, it, it's so much more than than just another pixel game. It's it's similar to Pixel Master in a lot of ways, but has a lot of the token economics of dice kind of thrown onto it. But they also have things like an NFT auction house. They're coming out with a non fungible token NFT standard, so that artists can you know register their works, whether it's physical artwork or digital artwork. They can register the provenance. You know, prove, hey, I made this thing. Hey, now it got tracked here. And a good example I saw that Fred gave recently on actually the Roundtable uh, podcast yeah, that was, was a good one. 
was pretty good. Um, talking about how, you know, if the Mona Lisa way back in the day, the, the person who originally painted it, if that was on the blockchain, you know, you could track the provenance as it sort of changed hands over the years. And then you don't have to rely on an auction house to 99% to guarantee the provenance and then later tell you that they messed up and that it's actually a fake that you bought. Um, so it, NFTs in the art world are something that are really necessary. And I'm more excited about that part of Pixios than I think anything else. But of course, the game I am super excited to play as well. All right, so we're, we're, we're well over an hour now, maybe. Uh, depends on how far I edit this down. Is there anything else that you thought was important to cover that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I think the only other thing, you know, as part of us as Cypherglass reinvesting into the network, it goes along with Pixios. Uh, we announced today on Twitter that uh, the, the partners at Cypherglass have invested nearly 35,000 EOS into the Pixios platform to, to help it um, launch, help them get going. So we're super excited to be supporting that project. And this will not be the last funding announcement that we have. So... Uh, we just encourage more people like we encourage today on Twitter to vote for the block producers that are really reinvesting in the network, whether that's dApps or infrastructure or sidechains or whatever, rather than the BPs that, you know, aren't doing as much. So that'll be my my last two cents of the evening. I, I invested into that same network uh, this morning. Rob, did you see my uh, Jiffy meme? Oh, I love that. Yeah, it was a good <laughs> gift. It was very good with the, our heads exploding in Pixios logo. If you, if you haven't seen that, hop into the Everything EOS telegram at t.me slash everything <laughs> underscore EOS. You can pick up that gif and add it to your uh, your satchel there in, in yeah, Telegram. Yeah, like it's not it on the screen as you're talking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. By the way, we did want to give a huge shout out to a, another content creator, Ash Oro, who also runs the Freedom Proxy. Uh, he just launched EOS.radio or EOS Radio. They're doing some pretty cool podcasts over there. It's a little bit of a different format than we do here, where, you know, they bring a bunch of people on Skype. They talk about an issue. Uh, and recently, they just had the Chintai team on talking about the checks token. So highly recommend you check out that interview. Uh, it was a very good one. Yeah, I, I have yet to watch it yet. I, I just uh, read Ash's comments on it. I saw on Twitter uh, that they started their own Telegram group too. We must have started a trend for podcasts. I don't know. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like we're well, uh, think, the first ones to do it. But yeah. What? I was going to say, I think it's a great thing. You know, people people have asked me before, oh, what do you think? Like other people starting podcasts. I think it's awesome. The more great. and more people that we have on YouTube, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, wherever, talking about EOS, the better. So we're not here trying to be the only EOS podcast. Yes, we are the longest running EOS podcast, in our opinion. The best the longest EOS podcast, and strongest. But... I like that. Oh, Someone said it go. on Twitter, the longest <laughs> and strongest. That's good. But yeah, we're, we're here for all the content creators. So Ash, uh, huge congrats on new EOS radio. We hope uh, beyond the checks interview that you have a lot of other good content coming as well. So super excited. Yep. And like I said, they started their own Telegram channel. So find Ash on Twitter or probably checking the links down below. Uh, join their Telegram channel. Hopefully it uh, becomes just as active as ours has been. Also yeah. join our Telegram channel, especially before you join anyone else's t.me front slash everything underscore EOS. It's the most pop in place. I think we yeah. just broke like 700 members, something yeah. crazy. That's so we, we, we appreciate everyone's support. Like I'm glad other people are creating content because this is the yeah. most fun thing to do ever is sharing like this story. It's so many industries like just on the cusp of being disrupted and we get to tell yeah. that story and, and bring people into our world. And it, it, it's been an amazing ride. We'll have to celebrate soon. We're almost at one year, probably in a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, one year of the podcast. That's right. Mm -hmm. We'll have to do a, uh, a one year special and look back or something. We'll, we'll see what we can come up with. I can't wait. I think that's a good spot to wrap up, though, Rob. Uh, I think that's it. All right. Once again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this is Everything Eos. Bomb. Dun, dun, dun. Bomb. Go Eos.